0: In the book of Revelation, we have John looking through the drapes, pulled back right into heaven, and in chapter 8, 3, he talked about another angel that stood at the altar with the censer, and there was given unto him much incense, that he should offer it with the prayers of the saints. And there is the key to our interpretation today. This Old Testament ministry of the priest, standing before this golden altar, offering these clouds of perfume from that little table, it is a picture of the prayers of the saints. It's all about prayer. Welcome again to Let the Bible Speak. This is Ian Golliher, and I appreciate the opportunity to minister the gospel to you today. I trust that you will stay tuned right through the program. We have a number of hymns by Valerie Manese, singing My Jesus I Love Thee, and Sweet Hour of Prayer. Our theme today is staying with the tabernacle in the Old Testament, and we're looking at the altar of incense. There were three main articles of furniture in the inner court. There was the lamp or the seven candlestick menorah, and there was the table of showbread. The altar of incense was placed right at the veil before the high priest entered into the Holy of Holies, and there the priest attended with the incense that was continually offered up. This is a model of prayer and teaches us that God receives. The worship, the prayers and petitions of God's people. And so we have a great deal to learn from this. I hope that you are a man or woman of prayer. I hope that you are earnest in getting through to God and by grace pressing through the veil into the presence of the Holy One. What a wonderful, wonderful reality that the born again Christian washed in the blood may come into the presence of God directly. We need no earthly priest. We need no earthly pastor. We have a mediator, the Lord Jesus Christ, who leads us on into glory. Stay tuned with us for our program today. The hour of power is a common term for the prayer meeting in the Lord's Church. Today, we want to see the hour of power and the hour of prayer as we revisit the tabernacle. And we come to this uh, piece of furniture that was called the golden altar or the altar of incense. And it was right up against that veil uh which divided the the compartments inside that tabernacle. And it was the last item that the priest uh ministered at uh, before going in through the veil into the presence of the Shekinah glory. Now the ministry of the priest was to take incense or sweet spices and they were of a special formula made known to the priest, and they would lay on these petals and flowers and ointment and oil, put it into the the top uh, compartment of this altar of incense, and put hot coals from the fire right upon them so that they would begin to burn and cause the aroma uh, right inside that tent or tabernacle to fill the room— and you would have this meeting of the cloud of incense with the cloud of God. want you to get that picture. The cloud of the incense meeting with the cloud of the Shekinah glory of God, with only this veil in between. Now, this is something that you may see in heaven, In the book of Revelation, we have John looking through the drapes, pulled back right into heaven. And in chapter 8, 3, he talked about another angel that stood at the altar with the censer, and there was given unto him much incense, that he should offer it with the prayers of the saints. And there is the key to our interpretation today. This Old Testament ministry of the priest, standing before this golden altar, offering these clouds of perfume from that little table, it is a picture of the prayers of the saints. It's all about prayer. Now, that happens to be a very difficult thing for Christians, for you and me, Someone I know asked Dr. Paisley, what has been the most difficult thing in your ministry? And he had a one-word answer, prayer. I think that tells something of the honesty of the man, because that often has been the honest response of many giants in the faith. Being a man or woman of prayer, the kind of praying that we were singing about here that has power with God, that enables us to have power with men. That is no easy thing. And our Lord Jesus knew this because he said, "Men ought always to pray and not to faint. And therefore, the Lord knew that many of his disciples, as they did in the Garden of Gethsemane, they didn't continue the battle of prayer. They fell asleep a number of times. And it seems when the child of God goes to pray, that the devil is very busy putting us to sleep and making us ineffective. We know that when the Holy Spirit was poured out upon the church, in the book of Acts, that they had great prayer meetings. You just can't help reading. Of the power of God, the power in prayer that those men and women had. Paul, in the chapter of the Christian armor, with the picture of wrestling against principalities and powers and Satan and the wiles of the devil, he said, take on this weapon of prayer. It's the seventh item of the Christian armor. And he says, praying with all prayer in the spirit and all the need for prayer as we wrestle and fight against the enemy. How necessary this is to the work of God. William Carey, the English missionary, was going out to India he pleaded with Christians in his homeland. He said, I'm going out to the mission field, and I'm going down into the mine shaft, and I want you to hold the ropes of prayer. And that underlined the the value, the importance of prayer for the Christian. New Testament church prayer warriors, and I'm coming back to the book of Acts now, they Prayed on this basis of the risen Lord Jesus. After Pentecost, after the Holy Spirit was poured out and there were mass conversions in the city of Jerusalem, it is stated in Acts 2.33 that our Lord Jesus is risen and have shed forth this. He attributed the mighty works in Jerusalem to the Lord Jesus having been risen, ascended to the Father— And it's through his ministry that effected the mighty works in the city of Jerusalem. And obviously, that's all about the intercessory prayer of our Lord Jesus at the right hand of the Father. When he rose again, 40 days later, he ascended to his Father. And we know that he's there at the right hand of God, praying, interceding for us. And we will learn when we come to this altar of incense, that this is the way to do business with God. This is the way to enter in. And we need to see the value of prayer. Would you write those words down in your mind for me? The value of prayer. I might repeat those words a hundred times in the sermon. And I think this is the missing thing. The value of prayer. We're going to see this in this little piece of furniture. It is one cubit by one cubit. Two cubits high. It's made of shittim wood overlaid with gold. Now the other altar, never confuse the two. The other altar out in the courtyard, it was for burning the sacrifices. It was shittim wood overlaid with brass. This is overlaid with gold. And certainly, uh, it gives us an insight to the very nature of our Lord Jesus. But I want to bring you today to Exodus 30, verse 6. That's our Bible reading, and verse 6. And I want you to notice what this is about. Uh, Exodus 30, verse 6. And thou shalt put it before the veil that is by the ark of the testimony, before the mercy seat that is over the testimony. And here's the big words, the end of verse 6 where I will meet with thee, where I will meet with thee. And so the priest standing at this incense table, as he stoked the incense and caused the the perfume to rise, this is communing with God. And I want you to get that picture of the cloud of incense meeting with the cloud of God. This is where I will meet with thee. And my friend, it is in prayer that our souls meet with God and God meets with us. And every one of us is in need of this intercessory prayer of our Lord Jesus. Because we cannot go directly in through the veil into the presence of God without the intercessory work of our Lord Jesus at the right hand of the Father. He's our mediator. We come as sinners, we come in all our needs, and we come through the name of our Lord Jesus. And we need to have it in our minds that our Lord is now at God's right hand interceding, and he's there pleading and praying for us. Now, I have a couple of texts. I haven't referred you very much yet to the Bible. I want want us to get to the Bible on this here. Firstly, Hebrews 4, And verse 14. Hebrews 4 and verse 14. Let's uh, see how in the New Testament, uh, and I mean, I'm trying to be thorough here in my Bible interpretation, or exegesis as it may be called. I'm trying to make you see how this Old Testament priestly ministry at the incense table relates to us as New Testament Christians. And here in Hebrews 4, 14, Seeing then we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. That means let's press on as Christians. And here is the author writing to New Testament Christians. They had come out of Judaism, and they were being tested and tried, and they were being pulled back. And the 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 apostle is saying here, let us hold fast our profession because of our Lord at the right hand of God. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. And of course, that's the twofold nature of our Lord Jesus. He's God, but he's also man. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace— That we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. So there is our Lord Jesus praying for us. Another important New Testament passage is John 17. John 17, verse 9, firstly. I pray for them. I pray not for the world, but for them which thou hast given me, for they are thine. Our Lord Jesus praying for us. I pray for them. Now, for whom he prays, that's all the Father given him. For what he prays, look at verse 15. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from the evil. Will you and I face evil this week, temptation, the snare of the devil, the trap of the world? May we be like Peter, caught trembling at the accusation of a little girl and fall? Well, the Lord Jesus is here saying he's praying for us. What? That we should be kept. It's not His will to take us out of the world immediately than when we are converted. We're left in this world for a time, but our Lord prays that we are kept in the world. And then in verse 20, he also prays for new converts, for those who are yet to believe. Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word. Now, this is the position of the golden altar right up against the veil where God will meet with us. Let me ask you, and I have to ask you this question, if I'm going to be an honest preacher of this subject. Where do you place the altar of prayer in your life? Is it front and center? Can you say that you do all things by prayer? Can you say that you live in the spirit of prayer? Can you say that daily, and we'll come to the point that morning and evening, this was an activity of the priest, daily you are a man or a woman of prayer. The value of prayer is dictated by the position where you place the altar of prayer in your life. Now, another thing I notice about this, and that is the pointing of the horns of this golden altar gives it great value. And for this, we're going to turn to Exodus 37. See, what you have in Exodus here is in in the earlier chapters, you have the pattern given to Moses. And then in the later chapters, you have the final product. You have the building and the uh, positioning of the altar in the tabernacle. Exodus 37 verse 27. And he made two rings of gold for it under the crown thereof. Now, if you take your bulletin and look at the back page where you have a little picture of this altar of incense, how many rings show on that picture? Two on each side. All right, two on each side. We assume that the one at the rear is fastened the same way as this. If we're going to be very strict in our depiction or graphics of this, this one's wrong. This one's wrong. Now, I thought, why do I put in something that's wrong? Well, the exercise will teach us. You see, there are only two rings, and they were in the opposite corners It'd be like one here under the crown and one here under the crown, and then the staves would go through so that it is carried and it is presented diagonally, which mean those horns that were on the corners, each corner here, they were pointing north, south, east, and west. You didn't have pointing other directions. They were pointing north, south, east, and west. Now, if you know how the encampment of the Israelites around the tabernacle, they all encamped in order according to their tribes, north, south, east, and west. And these horns were pointing to each one of the tribes so that this burning of the incense, the priest was the representative. Now, all the people didn't crowd into this little tabernacle. They couldn't have done it. In the Old Testament, the the priest represented the people, and he burned the incense and offered prayer on behalf of the people. But the value, the merit of it, was all for every one of God's people. Now, coming back to the horn, chapter 30, verse 10, uh, this is very significant, these horns that were pointing in these different directions, uh, because every year they were the point of atonement. And Aaron shall make an atonement upon the horns of it once in a year, with the blood of the sin offering of atonements. Once in the year shall he make atonement upon it. So the blood was upon those horns to associate it with atonement. And you may read about those who, in danger, they ran into the tabernacle or the temple, and they laid hold upon the horns of the altar. What were they doing? Pleading mercy. Pleading mercy. My friend, that's what prayer is. In our prayer life, there ought to be this holding to the altar, laying hold upon it. Pleading mercy. And, of course, the prayers of our Lord Jesus— Uh, that empowers our prayers with the atonement. And of course, Christ's work is efficient by his own death and by his own intercession. And of course, Isaiah tells us that he uh, laid down his life and he made intercession for the transgressors. Those two things go together. The death of our Lord and his intercession at the right hand of God, those two are imperatives to the efficiency and the power of the gospel in our lives. i bring that down to how you pray. First of all, are you in the right place? Are you laying hold upon these horns of the altar, pleading the mercy that comes through the very death of the Lord Jesus? And do you see here that the Lord targets you as his praying child? Let's think about that. The Lord says, I know my sheep, and I'm known of them. And he knows his sheep by name. But he also prays for us by name. Isaiah tells us that our names are in the palms of our Savior's hands. And he intercedes for us. He said to Peter in his hour of temptation and trial, he said, I have prayed for thee. I've prayed for thee. Our prayer life. The value we put upon it will only be as strong as our understanding that when we pray and we come in the name of the Lord Jesus, that He's praying for us. You see, when you come to pray, you feel your weakest. That's why the prayer meeting is always the lowest attended meeting of the church. People find it difficult to pray. And when you go to the prayer meeting, what does the devil say? What are you doing here? You're not worthy to be a praying Christian. You may take the name of Christian, but don't open your mouth in prayer. Who are you? And he puts the magnifying glass on all our faults and our failures and our inconsistencies and, 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 and our weaknesses and makes us to feel so unworthy. And then we get the idea, well, God will never hear my prayer in any way. And my praying will never go any higher than the ceiling. You see, the power of prayer, the value of prayer, is the intercessory work of the Lord Jesus. Put yourself in the mind of an Israelite. You came to the outer court, gave the priest the sacrifice— He shed the blood. He offered up the atonement. He took that blood into the tabernacle and he took the incense and put the blood on the corners of the altar. And the incense now was rising to God. What's that priest doing? He's praying for you, praying for you. And our Lord Jesus is praying for us. And no matter how unworthy or how much a failure you are or how weak you feel, Your praying has power, because you ask in Jesus' name. And our Lord has taught us that whatsoever we ask in his name, that our Father in heaven will give it. You've got to grasp the power, the efficacy, the worth of praying and pleading, not to one who is reluctant, but loves to hear the cries of your heart.
1: Jesus, I love
2: You can contact us using our office number, which is 604-576-1091. Alternatively, you can email me at pastor.cloverdealfpc at gmail.com. Again, for all this information, please go to our website at cloverdealfpc.ca. Our burden is that you will hear and understand the gospel